Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the shit show. No, we say show too many times in this goddamn intro. Let me try this again. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the fuck show that is the superhero show show, the only show on the internet that discusses every single TV show based on a comic book or comic book property. With me as never, my name's Ryan, uh, and with me is former host of the show show, Taylor. Taylor, how am I doing so far? Um, you're doing very poorly. If I have to, if I have to be honest, you are my friend, and I want to be nice, and also we're I on did, the show. No so one it, said. No one said you have to be honest. No one said that. Uh, well, no one. No one. Listen. No one told me I had to be a perfect good boy, but I am. <laughs> and I can't change that. Um, and I would like for you to be better. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me introduce Greg, and yeah. we'll see if I can introduce him better. Okay, Greg. Hold on. Wait. Okay. Greg! <laughs> I heard let me introduce Greg, and I was just like, that was my name. Go! <laughs> like a greyhound Run out down of the gate. Hold on, I got 10 things. Um, you had strong Roman Roy energy with your fuck show call, <laughs> Ryan. That was that was very strong. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back watching the, the superhero show shows. Cassie and Mike are off this week for the holidays. We, mm-hmm. of course, do not have families. They don't know I'm hosting. Um, I have been banned from hosting this podcast by that the makes board. That to me. Yeah. The pop filter board. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't tell you guys that because then you would have said, oh, I'll host. And then I would have lost this opportunity. So fuck Cassie, fuck Mike, and fuck the board. But thank you to Greg and Taylor for being here. You're welcome. We're You're- just doing our best to be a part of the team. Yeah, listen, I, it, this was a nice little like jaunt down memory lane to be like, man, it's nice that I don't have to do this every week. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it already has been? Are you, are you leaving now? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I have, a, uh, I have a hard out. So um, thanks for having me, guys. This has been great. I said I would do the intro, and that is it. That's cool. Well, Greg and I have a really good show coming up. We've got Hawkeye. We've got Super Crooks. We've got Will Hines. And maybe we'll have Taylor when we come back. of the things to be the pains that are withheld for me I realize and I can see Here to get the Eternals taste out of your mouth is Marvel's Hawkeye. The first two episodes debuted on Disney Plus this week just in time to give families something to agree on as even most conservatives can get behind the MCU's promotion of the military industrial complex and removing half of the population of the country by any means necessary. Our story begins with the big New York thing, as young Kate Bishop loses her father and dedicates herself to mastering every college sport that might help you fight crime. (laughs) Kate grows up, meets her totally not evil new stepdad, gets a hold of the Ronin costume, and ends up meeting Taylor's hero, Jeremy Renner. By the end of the second episode, Kate and Clint are essentially a team, and we are on the clock. Clint has five days to get home to his family before Christmas. Taste Buds, the common opinion on the MCU is that the floor is high and the ceiling is low that most of the movies and TV shows fit into this perfect quality window of, that was good. So I ask you this. What is something about Hawkeye so far that makes it better or worse than that column that almost all Marvel properties fit into? Greg. Yes, Greg, you get a like point. like to talk now, and that's me. Uh, I would say something that makes it better than mediocre is the banter between um, Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. I think that really works, and I... Unfortunately, there's a whole episode where they have almost none of that. But by the time the second episode starts up, it's like you can rely on the two of them to deliver, I think, enough quippy 
dialogue and kind of cute dialogue because she's so starstruck. And I think that that really is a, a nice take on their relationship that, you know, she saw him do this amazing thing at the worst moment of her life and then kind of decided she was going to like model her life on his and then actually ends up like working for him or working with him. And I just think that dynamic does work. Taylor, how's the banter? Is it cringy or is it working? The banter is, is pretty good. Honestly, I think it is the best part of the show. Um, for me, it's, it gets in the way sometimes when I think this has some of maybe the worst ADR, um, of any Marvel property I've ever seen, like, or like, like the most obvious ADR, <laughs> Yes, yeah. Um, so that sometimes takes it out, it takes me out of it. But the dialogue is is great. The thing that I ran into was, um, especially in the first episode, she keeps running into these people who, as soon as they came on screen and started speaking, I was like, okay, this is a villain. But then I think I discovered that actually what it is, is that every rich person to me reads as an enemy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just a lot of these people are just rich. But the the rich don't come off great in this show. Um, Armand the third, who yeah. he's the one that dies, uh, walks up to Kate Bishop, is not a fan of Kate's mother, and just starts the, lays the smackdown about Kate's mom to like, Kate. Yeah, he literally is like, I don't think your mom is a catch. I th- I think this guy is marrying down. I think this is a bullshit marriage because of your mother. I'm her daughter. I am her. Why are you saying this to me? And then the other one was um, Vera Farmiga. I had no idea she was in this movie or in the show, but um, she plays Kate's mom, and she's mostly okay, a little aloof, except for one part where she just says, "I wish all poor's would fucking like light on fire and die." Like, why do we have to go to these charities? Well, she's rich person. She's. I think that the show is so hardcore, being like stepdad is evil. They even picked the most evil guy from uh, Better Call Saul. Mm -hmm. And that's all, to me, that is all a big setup. Her mom is the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so... Has to be. I, I don't think that the stepdad's necessarily going to be a good guy, but I think that ultimately it's going to be like, he's like, no, I was just trying to win you over because you're my stepdaughter and maybe... I read that book. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, I was letting you win when we were sword fighting because I want you to like me, I you know? Um, but I think that that is one of the ways in which, like, the fact that you dislike all the rich people in this, I think you are supposed to. It's one of the biggest companies in the world being like, we get it. We're tired of the wealthy, right? <laughs> um, and so that's going to be, I think, the whole thing, which is, is be like, she's going to have to turn down her wealth. I mean, who, like, the tower that she bra- she broke in the first one was Stain Tower, like Obadiah Stain yeah. Tower, yeah. right? So that's another big, rich industrialist who turned out to be evil. I think that that's the way they're going with this show is, you know, a nice little like vent of class anger. Like, <laughs> yeah, my uh, my prediction is that in this in the last episode, uh, Hawkeye will make it home on time with a new daughter in tow. Yeah, yeah it, like she's going to get adopted. Yeah. And I think that that's nice because she is over the course of this show, she's going to lose her actual family, right? Her dad dies in the premiere. And then I really just, I'm so sure her mom is only shown wearing shades of red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's obviously like a comic book villain. Yeah. It's Marvel- literally, they, her introduction was like, this is the cool fun mom. We gave her a bad wig. So, you know, she's fun. <laughs> and then like every moment after that, we see her is like, hello, I'm elegant and rich. And like, okay, you're going to murder like a bunch of people. Oh, am I drinking from a chalice? I didn't even notice. Mm. 
and that was in their shitty house that got destroyed. Their three-story yeah. downtown New York, like in, sort of starter home. In the closest thing that the Marvel Universe will allow us to see to 9-11. <laughs> like yeah, when that little all- title card popped up, it was like 2012. I was like, okay, so this is like basically them saying September 11th, 2001, but in Marvel. You know what might have been a cooler thing for the show to do? Have that be the last shot. So it's set before 2012. And then right as the show is going to like black, you see, uh-oh, it's 2012. She's going to die in the big New York attack by the Chitari. Is this and a it- random Robert Pattinson movie that I can't remember reference? Yes. Yeah, what is that like- movie called? I can't remember. So maybe <laughs> it wasn't worth dedicating it, all this show it to. Is it is something like Remember Me or something like that. It's, yeah. it's like something about remembering. I think that's what it is. Fucking Good job, Taylor. You brought it home. Um, yeah. I have you two here, so it's important that we talk about... You guys let me know if how the LARPing went in episode two. Uh, we have Clint, who is uh, forced to dress up and do some LARPing in order to get his costume back. I don't know if you guys have ever done this before, but based on what you know... It, was this was this some good LARPing? You know what you know how you see in um in like TV shows when they play softball, they play a version of softball that like is a weird mix between softball and baseball, and that nobody has ever actually played, but it sort of stands in for softball. It's that's all action. The, yeah, that's what the LARPing was in this. It was like nobody LARPs this way, but it helped make the show work a little bit better, and it did give us the central thing of he's pretending to fight and that did work for me but like that was way more organized than and like structural than i've seen any larping ever it's usually just a bunch of teenagers standing in the woods like throwing foam balls at each other i i will say i will say i have a friend from like middle school who i stopped hanging out with at a certain point but we're he was still, still in middle school? Yeah. He, he has like a reverse permanent Benjamin Button um, <laughs> thing going on. So, uh, but his whole thing is, um, I'm, we're still friends on Facebook. He has um, started referring to himself occasionally as the Zodiac of the Fire Dust. Um, and uh, he runs a LARP like community. Uh, and it feels like they do have this level of structure. Like oh it, yeah, like you have to sign up and you get a badge and yeah, there's like a whole thing. It's like they have like long running experience share going on and like rules for everything. It's like it's hardcore, honestly. I bet that is so fun, but there is no way to experience it outside of it. Like you have to be yes. actually larping. I think I've never done it myself, but I think you if you actually do it, you have fun. But if you just see people doing it across the way, that is no way to experience LARPing. <laughs> it looks yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely not. It, it, like it's very much a. It's so, it's sort of like um uh like. I forgot the name of the sport, so it's not going to be useful. There's several Remember of me? those that are like <laughs> ultimate frisbee. Yes, I do ult- have to say since Kate Bishop is has done all the college sports as you so uh, aptly pointed out, Ryan. I think at some point she should be like she should use ultimate frisbee. Like she has to throw a disc to somebody. She absolutely has done ultimate frisbee. I think she's like ab- absolutely shown like quad hacky sack capabilities. <laughs> like I'm sure she did like at least intramural level. Probably some slack line, right? I'm imagining she's oh, done slack absolutely. line. Maybe a little unicycle. Bop it. 
fire sticks or the the devil sticks. That's what oh, I Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, that, these are all things that you have to do because they're fun, and you cannot see somebody yeah. do because they look really dumb. Yes. Uh, let's get to that fighting stuff. Did you guys... Marvel does this weird thing where um, if stuff feels off because it's almost like two or three episodes is the first act. And yeah. So we're, we're talking about like almost uh, a third of the movie, let's say, is the first act instead of like a quarter. Yeah. Um, that can sometimes slow it down and make people want to jump. Did this as a first act? I'm really glad they released these two episodes together because they felt as like now we're ready to start. Mm-hmm. Are you guys waiting for the next four or do you think there was enough in here to keep you going plot wise? I think they're the they're like hints they give about the mom being a baddie. I think that they're not really trying to obscure that that much. And I think, that's going to keep me around though because i'm like i want to see you know how much of a big deal this the fact that her mom is evil is or how much if that is the case and you know how much it shapes the show but i i think that there's enough here to make me interested to continue for sure i'm like a little bit middle on it like it i don't think that it has fully grabbed me yet i i think based on these two episodes i would give it another episode to see if it like really pulled me in but it like in comparison if both of these two episodes had just been the avengers musical um i would be yeah. watching right. a f- i you would could watch do that all day four right? seasons of this fucking show if it was just different versions of the avengers musical let's get to it um rogers the musical makes its debut in episode one of hawkeye um so how close did this look to you guys like a real musical? Did this look uh, more 100%, like, like yes. making, making fun faithful. of musicals or did this feel legit to you? It, okay, well, here's the thing. Again, Both and. It, yeah, it's like it's it's exactly like LARPing. You can't be like not in the theater for a musical and respect it. I think it did a good job of like combining how ridiculous Marvel is with how ridiculous musicals are. But the point was like, but don't we love this stupid shit? Yeah. If you were in the crowd for that musical, I guarantee you'd be like, I have been transported to a world of imagination and music. Yes. But when you are just instead viewing the crowd, you're like, oh, this is so hokey and lame. Yeah, if you yeah. watch a musical live, I've never been to Broadway, but uh, I've seen stuff you know, in Los Angeles. And if you do it, you have to flip a switch in your brain and you have to be ready for it. Uh, as a musical lover, I get why they're so hated like why people yeah. find them annoying and if you've never seen a live musical they are this cheesy straight yeah. up yeah. like they are really this ridiculous and stupid while watching it i mean and that's the, what i like about that is that's marvel movies too like every time some like big director comes out and says like i think marvel movies are stupid as shit like everyone gets all their hackles up but yes. they are stupid as yes. shit. What? Musicals are stupid as shit. It's like LARPing is stupid as shit. All this stuff is dumb yeah. as hell. It's, the, it's like fun. When, That's what makes it fun. Yeah, when like Scorsese says like, I think Marvel movies are stupid. Marvel is like, yeah, <laughs> we make a billion dollars on every one. So who cares? Did this, you think it was stupid when the guy with the bow and arrow jumped off the building? Yeah, that's the dumbest fucking thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, she did punch wine off a shelf into a guy's head Hell that yeah. is inarguably yeah. not stupid but everything else is of course stupid it's it's this whole like i don't want to say generation but it's this whole thing of like you must validate my opinions or i will get upset i will start freaking out if you don't like the same things i do who even if they weren't stupid 
Who gives a shit what Mar- if you and Martin Scorsese have different likes? Like, that's so, that's so totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Martin Scorsese doesn't like Riverdale. I'm fine with that. Martin Scorsese is 88 years old. Let, yeah, let him not like stuff that is made for children or people who still look back fondly at their childhood. Before we get out of here, there's one more thing I want to talk to you guys about. This is like 26 movies and countless TV shows for the MCU. How important is it to you guys? And I'm specifically talking about the last five seconds of Hawkeye Episode 2. How important is it for these things to still connect to you guys? And ha- not just like Easter eggs, but have like foundations that will build and lead. Is that still a thing for you guys? Is it important? No, not at all. I, I truly, I don't know that I've actually seen uh, any of the MCU movies after uh, Endgame came out. I feel like I completed my like universe thing and I'll uh-huh. check in with bits and pieces of this like stuff that like I feel like on a standalone basis I'm interested in. I don't need any of it to really connect. If it does, fine. I'll like if there's stuff I don't understand, I'll be like, all right, that's probably in the other stuff that I haven't like checked in with. I, that, I, yeah. I did my I did ten years of time, and I'm like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up now. You're a free man. That thing right there that you just said, Taylor, is so important. Um, if you don't, and this goes out to everyone, if anyone doesn't know exactly what's happening, you will be okay. Yeah. You will not only will you survive and continue to live and breathe there, but you will also understand. 98% of the movie. Like, you will yeah. be fine. Greg, well, does, it get, does it still, uh, I don't know, give you the chills or whatever? Yeah, because you know what? The reason it does for me is because um, it, like, I know the movies and the shows are separate from the comic, but that is such a comic yeah. move. Like, I'm used to reading comics and, and having a character just say, like, you know, something you really have to understand about this is contained in this other comic book. And I'm going to, like, allude to it, but you have to read that book to really understand. So I'm used to, like, either tracking down what things mean um, or just, like, the way it all slowly builds to something. I like that. It reminds me of reading the books when I was a kid. And even the fact that it has, like, lost a step, the whole property obviously has slowed. It doesn't have the same energy it used to. Even that, I don't mind that much because it reminds me of fucking comics. Sometimes comics were bad for seven years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it, almost an entire generation would have all shit comics. And I then, only really, honestly, I only, the only com, the only Spider-Man comics I read when I was a young man were really, really bad. It was a bad era for Spider-Man. Then I would go back and read the earlier comics, like the the early Venom stuff, and that was cool. But, like, I'm used to it being not that good. <laughs> here's, here's why this is potentially exciting. The, the woman that we saw at the end was, uh, her name is Echo. Um, and she has a Marvel show in the works right now that's already planned. Echo is the adopted daughter of Wilson Fisk. Uh, Charlie Cox is supposed to play Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home. Not Daredevil, uh, Matt Murdock. The last episode of Hawkeye is supposed to drop right after No Way Home comes out. And that could give us Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox all in this universe with the Echo Show coming up. See, that would I, be pretty that's dope. That's fun to me. That's fun to me. That just seems like cool. It's nice that it all comes together like that. Not to mention we know that Florence Pugh is coming to hunt down Clint. Yeah. So, and then Clark Gregg like, shows up. Hopefully Clark Gregg shows up as Clark Gregg. He says, hi, I'm TV's Clark Gregg. Um, but Hawkeye could be as instrumental to the whole shebang as Doctor Strange 2 is supposed to be. and It's not integral. I agree with both of you. It is not, Taylor, I, it's not integral but, Greg, it does give me little goose pimples. 
So I guess overall, uh, Taylor's a little lukewarm, but going to give him one more episode. Greg and I are stoked, but uh, we'll see how much of that stoked for me and Greg is based on Marvel geekdom and not the actual show. Guys, um, before we get to the poll list, you two are building a website together. And just tell me a little bit about it. Oh, it's so I'm, I've laid a lot of the foundation down. Mm-hmm. Um, Cement I, and whatnot. Yeah, I built out a wood frame. Uh, Taylor said, you know, please don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but I took it upon myself to do that. Uh, and I've, I've filled out most of it. It's, um, you know, you have to come over to my place to see it. Yeah. Uh, which Taylor keeps pointing out. But uh, I, think, I think, honestly, it's pretty good. I think our sponsor is really going to help you guys out. Or at least, Greg. Taylor, what is the website? What are you guys doing on it? Oh, uh, the website is like um, we're we're painting on it. It's a big painting. Okay, yeah. it's a big it's a big painting of a spider. It's and a mural so it's, of Kobe Bryant with a spider. So uh, the spider thing is funny because it should have a web address. What would I like go? Because I want to see it online on my computer. Oh yeah, if or you my type phone. in like yourpopfilter dot com, uh huh, you can go there. That's a pretty good one. Uh, th- okay, so that is a website. Uh, you guys. I'm just finding this out. I have no fucking idea what a website is. Okay. No. So. Uh, I think we got the broad strokes. Uh, no. You guys have no clue what you're doing here. And I would like to introduce you two to Cybersprout.com. Cybersprout is. Is that a website? That is a website, yeah. So you're going to have to first discover what websites are. Fuck and then me. go to Cybersprout. It also might be .net. I'll get the wood, Taylor. But instead I'll of. the paint. Instead of wood and cement, uh, you guys might use WordPress. And Cybersprout offers premium hosting that is specifically built for WordPress. WordPress, not WordPress. <laughs> this al- now I'm talking with your accent. This allows you to focus on your website while they handle the security, maintenance, backups, and speed optimization. They'll even migrate your website for free. I don't know if they can migrate your guys's wood cement painting. Yeah, as long as they support PHP 8.1, I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, two-by-fours. As long as they support two-by-fours, I think we should be pretty good. That is Cybersprout, your partner for the digital world. When we come back, the rest of the shows. Now it's time for the pull list, where we talk about every other show that came out this week that was based on a comic book or comic book property. First up is Hitmonkey. On the third and fourth episodes of Hitmonkey... Hitmonkey and Bryce make their way into a casino and win all of the money, while Hitmonkey picks up Bryce's drinking problem. From there, they make it to a prison where HM is put in a pit and tasked to fight Fat Cobra. The two enemies team up to bring down the prison, as Cobra absolutely yeets Hitmonkey to a pile of (laughs) cult drugs, which he destroys. After all of that, he ends up at Akiko's house, and we're still unsure whether or not the monkey and the human are in love. Taste buds, I ask you this. Is Is Hitmonkey Marvel's most successful attempt so far to have a rated R comedy? I think it's getting there. It, it, you know, there's a lot of violence, certainly. That seems to always be the first step is like, well, we'll kick up the violence a little bit. And I feel like there's maybe some language. The weird part is the part that you just hinted at, which is like, does this monkey love <laughs> Olivia Munn's character? And like, how are they going to resolve that? Because I'm not really comfortable with that. That's I, like cursing and violence in Marvel stuff. Marvel properties is weird. But animal love, that's a whole new level for them. Yeah, that's, I think, a little bit too much. Although I do have to say that... Uh, I think that's the Disney the sh- creeping in. <laughs> part of what makes the show so effective is that the show is definitely has the opinion that if uh, a monkey put on a suit and just acted confident, 
that a lot of people would like let him get a room, let yeah. him play poker. And yeah, I think I he might be right about in. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Taylor, once again, no one was implying that you haven't seen Dunst. We know about I'm tired of these people slandering me out in the streets. <laughs> He's never seen it even one time. That's no, we all know that that's bullshit. Um, yeah, the in the third episode, he goes up to the because you know, in every casino, there's like a top floor where they're playing super duper poker. Oh, yeah, and the the big guy was like, Well, I'm gonna beat a monkey, fine, fine, I'll do it. Like, there's no like, yeah. wait, this is and that's sort of what I love about the show is that we talked about this last week, but um, it's acceptance of its premise and moving yeah. on is like one of its strongest points. Yeah, in fact, I'm I'm even surprised they took the whole first episode to establish the fact that there it's a ghost and a monkey team. Yeah. I'm surprised they weren't just, just like, started sometimes off, ghosts and monkeys hang out. <laughs> Next, this monkey also has a sword. Let's talk about that ghost. Um, this is played by America's sweetheart, Ted Lasso's yeah. Jason Sudeikis. What do you think of Bryce and this performance? I I like it, honestly, because it, it's got um, – it reminds me a little bit of John Cusack from Gross Point Blank. Okay. Like, I don't know how much they intentionally did that because he dresses the same way, too. Uh, but, you know, where his, like, absolute insouciance about the fact that he murders people for a living is obviously a thin veneer on top of, like, I don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, on top of a ball of absolute guilt. And right. the weird way Hitmonkey <laughs> – has like peeled away those layers and Bryce is like almost in therapy to like be like, yeah, I guess I'm just avoiding things. I'm not looking at it. I honestly, I was iffy on it at first, but I've, I've, I've grown into the Jason Sudeikis performance. I like the character and I like all of everything behind it. It's just the quippiness is not Hawkeye. The quippiness, like it's a mile a minute and it all feels first thought, best thought. It feels like there's having Jason Sudeikis actually read the script instead of going off board a little bit. And it's getting old. Yeah. See, I almost feel like there, maybe I'm being too generous here, but I almost feel like that was kind of the point is that it's not even like that. He is scoring gold every single time. It's that his quips are just like such a obvious defense mechanism against having to deal with his emotions, uh, and so like you know I mean he says in in I think the fourth episode like Hit Monkey goes to sleep and uh, Bryce figures out that Bryce cannot sleep and he can't go anywhere because he's like sort of tethered spiritually to Hit Monkey and so he's like ah, I'm alone with my thoughts man this is awful I can't do it and that's really that that's what this experience is going to be for him and so the quippiness there's almost something realistic about how bad it is because he's not looking to, to necessarily say something witty as much as he's looking to deflect any potential guilt about being an assassin. Right. And then I, he also can't drink anymore. Right. Which is, yes. Which is freaking him out. I mean, honestly, they make uh, being a ghost seem really bad. <laughs> like maybe that's what, at this point, his quippiness is just to not deal with the horror of being a, a foul specter because like he can't do anything. Like he's gonna go crazy if he can't find his way to the to the next realm. I think that the Bryce and Hitmonkey situation too is really good. Uh, it's to, it's good to watch if you've got a friend who comes to you for advice all the time and you're always giving it. Instead, be quiet. Don't say anything, and then let them keep talking. And they yeah. will break themselves. They will crumble, and they will rebuild themselves. Stop giving unwanted advice. They don't want it. You don't want to give it. Just sit there and let them talk. I think that's the best way to handle things. Do you know, Ryan, if is the idea here uh, that they're going to like do six of these or twelve of these and then be done, or is it the idea to have like a episodic, you know, Archer length 
show where a monkey and a ghost travel the world killing people. Well, to have an Archer Lane show is insane. Archer yeah. has there's more Archer seasons than Final Fantasies, which is crazy. But uh <laughs> this is probably one and done because Marvel or Hulu ordered four TV shows that were all supposed to be rated R. Uh it was this and Modoc that made it to air and then there was a I want to say Patsy Walker or Tigra and then a Howard the Duck cartoon. And all four of them are going to team up in a fifth show called The Offenders <laughs> because they're dirty and rated R. And after uh, Disney Plus, all of the Marvel shows moved to Disney Plus, they were like, let's not do almost any of that. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's cancel it all. So the one season of Modoc and the one season of Hitmonkey is probably all we're going to get. That's a shame because I've been enjoying these. They're not as good as the DC. Like, they're not as good yeah. as Harley Quinn. You know, right. but uh, they have that same energy, and it felt like they could maybe develop into that. Yeah, um, and then as far as like the, there's there's a pretty complicated Chinatown level plot going on too. How are they pulling that off? Yeah, you know, the, the like amount of political elements in it um, are it's kind of surprising to me that that is also attached to the monkey and ghost assassination story, uh, and I spent a lot of time focusing on how the show is set in Japan, but everybody speaks English with like a heavy Japanese accent, including a lot of actors who are of Japanese descent, but don't speak with heavy Japanese accents. Right. And I have to say that at some point I should probably just get over that, but it's, I spent so much of the show being like, why are they doing this? Yeah. (laughs) What are we like? Is this, it's almost like they're afraid we're going to forget that it's set in Japan. Or something like, but it it seems retrograde. It seems like something from the nineteen seventies or something. Right. Yeah, if if they stop talking like what we like the very uh, gross stereotype of Japanese voices that we have in our head, if they stop talking like that, we'll forget. We're like, what is this Australia? Yeah, and so they can't do that. It is strange for sure. And I I honestly I think that it gets in my way of following the Chinatown esque plot. I do like the the two cops. I do like the two politicians. I think it's an interesting dynamic you know there's kind of like three pairs in this yeah each each pair has a uh like a a a naive a naive person and then like a a wizened old experienced teacher and i'm getting too old for this shit yeah those parallels are are interesting uh and i like what they're doing there but the like the byzantine political plot isn't that interesting to me but you gotta admit far more complex than you would think a show called Hit Monkey would be. 100%. Yeah. And I feel like maybe, um, you know, this show obviously has a lot of roots in, in anime and wears those on its sleeve. And anime plots do tend to be complicated with like a lot of layers of, of you know, different, different characters with different motivations creating really complicated outcomes based on that. And so that's true to the source material. How much anime, though, uh, on average is based on comics, though? Almost like, all I, of it. Yeah, yeah, I thought a lot of time it was just like the problem with adapting, like how hard it is to adapt this giant fifty volume story into yeah, this little thing. I is see that, yeah. like there's so many plot lines that are like, why the what was this supposed to be? Eh, I'm just gonna keep watching. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that makes me think of like a Attack on Titan, where you're like you're you're trying to keep all these like there's like fifty different characters. You're trying to keep them all straight, um, and it, the show kind of it just like gives you like little heads up like. If you've read the comic already, it's like, hey, remember that guy? Well, there he is. Okay, keep that in mind. In like seven episodes, we're going to come back to this guy. Uh, Do you have a moment of the week? 
I do not have a moment of the week because I forgot that we did that. But I do have to say the whole like pit fighting experience. This could be your moment of the week. Just say that this is your moment of the week. Yeah, probably would have been like the whole like, you know, they find this accountant in this like sealed off part of the prison and he's like using drugs to lord over all the other inmates and making them fight in gladiatorial style combat. And then also one guy has electricity powers that he uses to fight and the whole thing is just so absurd but all in the service of fun which I, I think it pulls off my moment of the week is this happens a couple times in these last two episodes or throughout all four but the the tethering of the two characters yeah. is it seems like we should have seen it a million times before and we've seen like you know movies where people are handcuffed together like literally but this whole where they could get sort of far apart and then he gets sucked back so it's it's really only one character has the power and then the other one will yeah. get sucked back to him uh, that, I think that's so interesting. It, it makes for so much like, uh, instead of just saying, oh, the screenwriters didn't want you to find that information out now, so we're just not going to give it to you, there's tethering, and so it didn't happen. I uh, think that does work, and I agree that it, it's it's weirdly interesting because that's not, you wouldn't think necessarily that was going to be a big part of it. Yeah. But in so many ways, he's like, you have to move over, or I can't see what they're doing, or I'm stuck behind you because I can't get around you because I'm tethered to you in this way. It's like uh, marriage, you know, how like you want to go out and do all these amazing things, but you can't because you just have to be at home. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like that. Hit Monkey, because you you're, you're there with your soulmate. Soulmate. Hit Monkey is on Hulu. We're doing uh, episode by episode, so come back next week for two more episodes. Your next show is The Walking Dead World Beyond. On this week's episode of Walking Dead World Beyond, the group sets a new plan into motion. A relationship is leveraged, and a betrayal forces others to take action. Taste buds, I ask you this. If the zombie apocalypse happened right now, and you had an opportunity to change your name to something more apocalypsy, what are you choosing? Mmm, Devin Nightshade. Yeah, I'm going to go with Gorgon Egregious. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Now I'm wishing that I had gone, done something better. Like, um, like what? It's, if yeah, my, you still have time. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm thinking, like, what if my name was like, um, like uh, uh, Taylor the, uh, pu- Punished Brian. <laughs> That's like a Fallout character or something. <laughs> you say punished, like the past tense. Yeah, Punished Brian. That's, that's fine. I would not mess around with someone named Punished Brian. Too punished. <laughs> precious Carruthers. <laughs> I would mess I was around with like, him. Uh, Preston Dukes. Oh hell yeah! What about like Warren Worthington the Third? That's pretty good. Uh, isn't that a person? Well, it's Angel from the X Men. I don't know if that counts as a person. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that is good. What okay. about going the other way instead of like Mad Max Fury Road, like and just be very like proper and well to do. Yeah, like, um, what if my name was, like, Jonathan Wilkes Carrington Rutherford, the the 42nd? (laughs) The 42nd, wow. How about Squibs Dupree? Oh, fuck yeah. Dupree sounds fancy. Squibs sounds good. good. You know a name that is, like, doesn't sound fancy but is a good first name? Trip? Yeah. Because Trip sounds so ridiculous, but the only people named Trip are because they're the third and yep. the only people who get all the way to the third are the super fancies. Right. Yeah. You, uh, so like, Trip Winthrow. How about that one? Twi- Trip Winthrow is good. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I, knew, I knew a guy in college who's, um, he had one of his names was Vardaman, which was like a family name. 
And that one I feel like is a very like this is just like a fancy person name. That's so fancy. Yeah, I mean fancy people do keep the fanciness going by naming their kids fancy Preston. Name. Fart are you saying fart like with an F? Sure, I am now. Okay. <laughs> Walking Dead World Beyond is Sundays on AMC. Your next show is Fear the Walking Dead. On this week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead, Morgan searches for Al, only to discover that he's not the only one looking for her, and that his search may have put a target on his own back. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Speaking of targets and backs, did you know that targets have a register at the back of the store with almost no line? I did know that, actually. It's, it's the best place to go. Uh, they usually yeah, do, keep do you guys shop? Like, Do you guys go straight there when you have goods to purchase? If if I am already in that section of the store, I'll go there. If I like, you know, if I'm buying stuff at like, you know, the food aisle and it's right next to the main registers, I'll do that. But the the uh, the backup register is always over like near the electronics. So if I'm popping right. into the Target and I'm like, let me let me grab a little video game or some some yeah. burnable CDs because I'm still doing that. <laughs> pop right to that guy. There's always like at most one person at that register. That's Sometimes, a, if a place has a pharmacy, you can get checked out at the pharmacy. Oh, you'll be walking around, and they'll be like, "Hey, psst, buddy, I can I can ring that up for you." You'll be like, "Oh my god, this is like some back alley shit right now." Honestly, when you've got the toned calves that I have, you're getting checked out in every part of the store. Ayo, right, right, right. Chew on that. Fear the put that in your hat and smoke it. Fear the Walking Dead is on Sundays on AMC. Your next show is Riverdale, and part two of the five part River Vale. <laughs> Jughead continues his telling his story about this alternate dimension Riverdale, where things seem a little bit crazier. Archie is still gone, sacrificed Midsommar style. Veronica has destroyed her boyfriend Reggie's car out of jealousy. Betty has lost her baby and decides maybe Tony is right about there being a witchy stuff going on. And Tony sacrifices herself to La Llorona to save her daughter, becoming the new La Llorona. I have things to discuss with both of you about this episode, so Taste Buds, who's first? Taylor. Taylor, look, man, we have fought for years. Of about Riverdale's supernatural stuff. Now yeah. supernatural stuff is happening, and they had to do an alternate dimension in order to do it. Is this stupid, or does this make sense to you? Here's the thing: it's it feels so stupid, but in a way that like is Riverdale. Like I'll I'll be honest, I have kind of fallen off of watching Riverdale. The the things that I see now are like. Yeah, Archie was in a war. For some reason, it, like all the girls are dressed like Ray from Evangelion now. Like, <laughs> absolutely batshit insane stuff keeps just coming to me through the filter. But you describing that just made me go, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. But uh, I reference this line a lot, but my favorite line from my favorite movie, uh, from the movie The Lost Boys, is when the kids ask their grandpa, why doesn't he have a TV? Or if you, if you don't have a TV, why do you have a TV guy? And he's like, if I have a TV guy, what do I need a TV for? This is how you watch Riverdale <laughs> now is just, you know, listen up to all of this shit and say like, oh, okay, and then not spend an hour a week actually sitting through it. Yeah, because it's I think at a certain point, the, the level to which it feels like this show so rapidly got to the fans of the show are now writing the show yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> thing. It just, I think it happened somewhere around season two of this show, and it has just kept going. And you know what? More power to them. I'll check in every now and then and see what's going on. But the whole, like, I, I think, like, <laughs> Betty losing a baby and there being a witch and someone sacrificing themselves to La Llorona, that's not too far removed from 
Betty has the serial killer gene. And there's an <laughs> organ harvesting farm, and this guy's gonna try and ride away on a rocket. Like that. Ride away on a rocket. It feels like it's it's a real smooth slide. Now, Greg, what I've talked to you about is if you notice when I started the intro, uh, our Jughead is telling the story about River Vale. Yeah. Um, and so this whole five thing, he is basically Rod Serling throughout all five of these episodes, uh-huh. or at least the first two so far. Does this validate your long-running Riverdale theory that at least River Vale, if not Riverdale, is told and ri- written and told by Jughead? I think you know it's a nod to that. Uh, when it's a I nod to Greg in the superhero hour, yeah. Show show. I well, I think it's. A, I think that the show is set up for you to have the theory that I had, right? But the way they've handled the River Vale thing makes me think that it's kind of their way of acknowledging that some people might think that, but not actually capitulating to that understanding when you described it it, in in the way that you did i thought that's their way of not having the show become self-aware and i think reminding people who thought that might happen or something like that might happen that you know archie comics is like a universe with many facets and that you know it no one facet has to say hey we're self-aware because you can see it writ into the fabric of everything that is riverdale it is constantly winking and nodding to the fact that it's an updated version of this comic it's constantly acknowledging the fact that it's absurd it's like it's in the dna of it so no one needs to step forward and say like show kind of seems self-aware it's like yeah that's what we're doing you know that's like kind of what we're going for but riverdale honestly just put the fucking witches in your regular show like yeah I don't know why that matters to them. Yeah, like, I mean, it's because the whole idea is that it is, it's, it's like a soap opera. And I remember when I used to watch it, I would watch like one episode and I would think like that's plot lines for like a season in just one episode. They like they open a bar and they're already gangsters by the end of the first yeah. episode where they have it. And it's kind of like if you're going to do if you're going to run your show that hot, then you are going to eventually have witches and yeah. 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 La I, I promise you there's not a single person in your demographic who is watching this show that is going to be like, what the fuck? Witches? Yeah. Riverdale? How dare you cross this line? That's Sabrina stuff. Yeah. And it's, yes, it's, ne- next week is when Sabrina gets here. Cool. Great. <laughs> Riverdale, uh, my moment of the week is um, Veronica does beat the shit out of Reggie, her boyfriend's car. Um, when he comes in and sees it, he starts crying. And she's like, uh, Reggie, it's just a car. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, my dad died 20 minutes ago. And then <laughs> Veronica runs over and says, I'm so sorry, but just know I'll always be here for you. In fact, it's better when it's just the two of us. And, like, she goes from one type of crazy wow. partner to the other type of crazy partner within seconds. Veronica, I'm glad your dad's dead. We love you. That's basically what she was saying. Uh, Riverdale is on Tuesdays on the CW. Your next show is Young Justice Phantoms. On this week's episode of Young Justice Phantoms, saving everyone may not be an option for Tigress unless help is offered from an unexpected source. Taste buds, I ask you this. If you were going to be attracted to a manimal, would it most likely be in the cat family like Tigress? Yeah, it got to be cat. I mean, that's obviously, um, I'm only into humans, but uh, cat, that's a sexy animal. Taylor, are you thinking of other types of animals? Yeah, I'm trying to walk through it. I think, like, that's tough. Like, so the problem is that are we talking about like it is a is a pure animal, or are we talking about like an animal turned into a human? Right. It's it's like a just think about a comic book character that is roughly half human, half animal. 
Yeah, I Katara. think. I think like I, listen. I this is probably just the the Disney Robin Hood effect, but I think I think a fox is sort of a sensual okay. animal. This is That's what I'm thinking: is that we all grew up in schools. They taught us that cats are girls and boys are dogs. But I could like a hot dog girl. Hmm. I don't know, man. Girl. Yeah, I've I've also <laughs> like, known, where's the hat at the mall? I I, I know from anime circles that uh, a bunny girl is is a frequent one. Oh, uh, wow. but that's, that's a mostly, good one too. That's mostly just a lady who has bunny ears. So I don't know how how closely that really counts. Was it there a bunny girl in the hit movie Space Jam and Space Jam Two? Uh, yes, yeah, Space Jam and Space Jam Two. And you may also be remembering uh, Zootopia had a had a certain effect on the culture. There was a comic, and now I just can't remember what the name is, but the it was like all it was like a, a comic for furries, basically, and all the the characters were different like humanoid animals, and the main character was a a pig girl, which I know does not sound very attractive, but she was very curvy, and yeah. so Christina you know, Ricci was a pig girl in a movie. Remember that? I do not, and I'm disturbed. When she was standing at the top of the World Trade Center, and it turns out it was nine eleven that day. It was a crazy movie. <laughs> Uh, Young Justice Phantoms is on HBO Max on Thursdays. Next up is Lock and Key. On the 8th and ninth episodes of the second season of Lock and Key, the origins of the Lock family, magic come to light. Tyler and Kinsey look to protect their loved ones from Gabe's expanding collection of pawns. Tyler works on a way to help Jackie. Gabe gives Kinsey a deadline to meet his demands. Eden manipulates Josh. And a shaken Nina reaches out. Taste Buds, I ask you this. This is actually a legit question. Have you ever checked in on the show? No, you just said eighth and ninth episodes, and that was already enough for me to be like, wow. And then you said of the second season? Of the second season, yes. Impossible for me to comprehend. I don't, I can't, it doesn't compute with me. When I turn on my my TV, my smart TV, the little Hulu bar uh, never updates, so it still reminds me about Cloak and Dagger. Um, Every time I pull it up. And so to me, Lock and Key just is Cloak and Dagger. Right. Um, and also, Cloak and Dagger only has one season. <laughs> I think Lock and Key is a little bit bigger than the endless amount of shows that Netflix just drops and literally tells nobody about, but not that much bigger. Like it's just like here you go. This is this is this weekend. Here's the nine shows you have to watch this weekend. We'll see you next weekend. We're not going to talk about any of them. Peace. The only way they can get their shows into the zeitgeist recently is everybody dunking on them, and I think that that's why their Twitter account has gotten so weird. And said all these like it almost feels like intentionally stupid things, just because then at least people will dunk on them and get some press out about the show. Do you guys think that they will try at any point in the near future to do the two episodes this week, two episodes next week? I think they should. I think they should give it a shot. You you want them to, but like, are they so? Some of the shows do that, right? Like uh, Bake Off. Netflix doesn't. Netflix does it for like. Oh, reality shows? Yeah, reality shows. I I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, the, the circle, that's another one. Yeah, they they do th- they do those like week by week to keep everyone talking about them. And I think if they I think those are some of their most successful shows. Yeah, and it's clearly fucking working, Netflix. Do it with the other shit. I I think that they should start doing it for more like scripted content. I'm not saying that you guys need to watch Lock and Key, although it's probably better than you think. I'm saying for somebody like Taylor to be shocked that yeah. the second season has been out for two months it means that you may have a problem. Yeah. Lucky Key is on Netflix uh, next week. We're doing the finale, so you're not going to care about that. Uh, your next show is Legends of Tomorrow. On this week's episode, the number one show in superhero show show history, Legends of Tomorrow, by the way. On this week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow, the gang lands at World at an at an 
at a World War II airplane factory where all of the Rosies are riveters. The gang is separated to accomplish their various missions, from managing the factory floor to fixing the time machine to learning about the Iranian art of Tehran or making people feel comfortable. Taste buds, I ask you this. Do you think there's a better chance the legends solve the racism or sexism of 1945? Ooh, sexism. I was going to say racism. Can I tell you guys something? What? Yeah. You're both right. They solve racism <laughs> and sexism in Thank one episode. Goodness. Yeah. I have to say, I was getting a little tired of both of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, call I, the uh, legends, dude. Yeah, they're not they're not my favorite of the, the isms. No, I like I like patriotism. <laughs> yeah. I like aphorisms. <laughs> um this show has an amazing moment where uh, they basically they land in 1945. They go to work at this factory because this plane factory is also going to have the thing that they need for their time machine. And there is an audience character that like leads us in, right? And so they she she well white blonde chick who introduces them to all of the parts of the factory. And then about halfway through the episode, and like she's funny and she's awesome and she's pretty and blah blah. And about halfway through this episode, Astra one of the legends is like, hey, no more segregation in this factory. Uh, everyone can work on the, f- on the floor building the actual airplanes. It's not that people of color have to be janitors. They're coming up too. And this lady that we met in the beginning of this episode is like, what? Fuck you. I'm out of here. I hate those colored people. This is bullshit. Just goes to show you guys, just because they're nice and pretty, it might actually mean that they're more racist than anybody else. Huh. You guys are neither nice nor pretty and two of the least racist people I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you for all of that. <laughs> and again, uh, I just want to say we are against sexism and racism. Astra gets in a screaming fight. This is a CW show about time travel. Astra gets in a screaming fight with the older janitor about whether progress should be made by uh, attacking and enforcing or by slowly like plotting because if you don't go slow and steady, then all of your actions um, are just erased. And they are screaming this at each other. The show is the show's crazy, guys. <laughs> yeah. Good show. Uh, my moment of the week is um, what there's a character who was around for World War One. Um, this that's what they're do- or yeah, he he doesn't know about anything. So uh, they accidentally say around this character who fought in World War One the term World War Two. Oh, and that's a kick in the nuts, man. If you're a yeah. soldier in World War One, the war to end all wars, and you hear there's a sequel, that has to be a punch right to the chestnuts. And it has Let's, to be. It has to be a bummer to find out it happened like 20 years later, too. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow is Tuesdays on the CW. Your next show is Batwoman. On this week's episode of Batwoman, Ryan finds herself in the middle of a bat team stand. Don't you guys think Ryan's a hot name for girls? Yes. Yes. Uh, Ryan finds herself in the middle of a bat team standoff between Luke and Mary. Taste buds, I ask you this. Batman aside, who are you drafting in a bat team standoff of everyone in the bat family? Ooh. So it's the three of us and whoever we who el- whoever else we choose to take in. Nightwing. Yeah, that is that is a good one. I would choose um okay, I always forget this. Is it was it Jason Todd was the one that got like executed? Yes. I want him cuz when he came back, he was murdering yeah, <laughs> he came back as who? Hush, and then the Red Hood. Yeah, no, not Hush. Hush was wasn't Hush like a family friend of the Waynes? Yeah, no, you're right about yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I remember. I thought that Hush, that's who Hush was going to be, and then forgot who it really was, and just always go, isn't that the Red Hood guy? 
But yeah, Jason Todd was like, the Bat family doesn't have guns, but what I am presupposing is, what if they did? And just starts blowing people away. Yeah. It I think shooting people easier. I think Dick is a great choice. Morning, noon, and night. But uh, <laughs> I think I would go with Damien. As much as uh, I hate him, as much as, as annoying as he is, he's going to fucking play to win. And I think he's going to, me and Damien are going to crush you guys. But does Damien right. have a gun? No, he doesn't. How about Azriel? Because oh. he's got that like crazy Big fire sword. Power. Yeah, a fire sword, and then also just like is gonna go ape, like absolutely loses stuff and just go off on people. Yeah. That's if you ever want to know exactly what me and Greg read com- uh, comics together, uh, find people who know more about Azriel or Anarchy. Yeah, of the Bat- Batman comics than he and I do. Uh, Batwoman is on Wednesdays on the CW. Your next show is The Flash. It's Armageddon Part 2 this on this week's Flash as Despero warns Barry that soon he will lose his mind and cause Armageddon. Barry has no choice but to seek advice from the one and only Black Lightning. Taste Buds, what question would you ask Black, Light- Black Lightning if you were given the chance? I'd be like, w- what happened? It was going so well. You had like... Do you mean the quality of his show? Yeah, like you, your your first episode was so good, we were blown away some more than others. Uh, but like by the end of that first season, it just it it all fell apart, man. How come? I feel like uh, Black Lightning would probably ask that to Barry as well. I feel like that would be a two way street to be like, <laughs> hey, hey, what happened here? What what's going on? I would say if red lights make you stop, what makes you go? Green light. Yeah. Uh, the Flash is on Tuesdays on the CW. Finally, how much, you, how much do you want to bet that at some point one of them goes, "You're not going to have the lightning without the Flash." <laughs> I want to bet zero. Like that's a that's a guarantee. <laughs> Finally, uh, the last show of the week is the premiere of Super Crooks. On the first episode of Netflix's Super Crooks, we meet Johnny, a teenage loser with a real shitty mom. One night, he discovers he has electric superpowers. Excited to prove to the girls he likes and the boys that... Wait. Excited to prove to the girls he likes and the bullies he hates that he's a superhero now, he makes a costume and goes to show his powers off at the public pool, which he tries to fly over and fails and falls. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Super Crooks is the first anime-style TV show we've covered on the podcast. Did we start with the right one? I thought it was very interesting. It's it's so clearly not exactly an anime as much as it is a continuous running reference to anime yeah like i don't think it ends up being an anime on its own it's just constantly like hey remember this from anime hey remember this from anime but every time it happens it feels like a reference hit monkey feels like more of an anime more of a genuine anime to me than this does it feels like the references are way too over the top in a way i mean that that this is sort of what i wanted to ask you guys is just stylistically they made cartoons like that for a while. That was the trend, right? Like, yeah. And they did it because of budget. They did it because that's what they were into. Now, when you make a show like this, is it more than just referencing the past? How many shows in 2021 are made with, excuse me, with this style? I don't know. It feels like just re- just a reference to me because it, it's it's like the it's the anime from the 90s, right? So I don't think many like current shows are doing that like and i don't know if it's a worthwhile endeavor because most anime that comes out now the animation is amazing like the best animation yes. 
forever and it's in motion and so then to harken back to a time where animation was not as good and not just yeah. because the styles like have grown out of that we've grown out of that style but because the art was not as good like i don't so, know, i don't see what you're getting is this closer to like what we're expecting from x-men 97 98 the disney plus thing but they're going to on purpose make their show look like the old x-men the animated series i think probably because the, the thing about this animation style that i don't like is like it is it's harkening back to a time when a lot more stuff was still like hand-drawn but like they were sort of cutting corners uh, because it was like either you do hand drawn or you do really bad CGI for some stuff. But this stuff feels like it is still, it is doing the computer generated stuff, but trying to be the hand drawn stuff that looked worse. So it's like, it's, it's a weird middle ground. It's this animation style is not my favorite and I was not super sold on it. And it's not mine because I don't, I don't watch any of this kind of stuff. And so it's hard to get into. This is something that animation has to deal with that live action sometimes doesn't. Is that it's hard to like it's hard to get past the style, and then I'm not into the story, and the story's not grabbing me anyway that much. You know, the story the kid- fucking sucks, dude. I mean, it's like it was so obvious what was going to happen at every stage, and so then you just had to like watch the slow. You had to watch the show be like four steps behind you. That was arduous. It, it felt like they should not have done this first episode this way because this isn't what the rest yes. of the show is going to be. Like right. the, sh- the the bulk of the show starts episode 2. So it's like uh, you could have just done all of this episode in a very brief flashback and then started the show. It's like what Greg said about Hitmonkey. It's like you included an origin story. I am not sure that you needed to. Like, we no. would have been on board with all the crazy shit you have in store for us. We don't need explanation. We like crazy unexplained Especially shit. Especially because the, the origin story of, like, the, the switch to I'm a supervillain happened on a dime. It was, I'm going to be a superhero. And then he figured out he could get money out of an ATM and is like, I've decided after one mishap, I am a supervillain now. And also, but the show is called Super Crooks. Right? We, so we know. Like, we figured it out already. When you tune in, you're like, okay, this is going to be about bad guys. And then you have to watch this first whole episode where you're like, oh, this kid's going to accidentally kill a bunch of people, and that's going to be his turn. And then you've got to spend half an hour watching the show be like, hey, guess what? You thought this was one type of show? It's a different type of show. Which I'm not opposed to if you can sell me the character moments and... You know, like, uh, give me compelling characters that I enjoy watching and finding out about. Yeah, that's like that, that. It's always I. I know the ending of every movie I ever watch, so it's it just give me the moments. But instead, we watch cardboard characters. I mean, that mom is she's truly bad. Uh, and she's just trying to get one in, dude. <laughs> I mean, she's horned, and it's not working out. And her kid's kind of a buzzkill. And her like, boyfriend is a fucking premature ejaculator. Yeah, I always go. He back came to, just because superpowers went off in the house. I always I would go back too, to though. The, yeah, this, so would I. As soon as I <laughs> left my mouth, I realized there's a treat once. It was like when kids and their parents have beef. A lot of times, people bl- blame the parents. But if you ever considered that the kid might just have bad vibes, this kid has yes. bad vibes, dude. This mom is just like, could you just be quiet? Mama needs to get her cookie, and he's got to be flipping the lights on and off, blowing up TVs. Also. The decision to be like, we're never going to show the mom's face. Yeah. Muppet baby style. God, like everything this show did, I was like, bad choice, bad choice. That The decision not to show the face, it reminds me of how uh, how many albums come out where every song is in lowercase letters. Like, oh, yeah. We don't. Why do why are we still thinking that this is a cool, like <laughs> anti-establishment thing to do? 
All right. Uh, what are the odds that you guys watch another one? Very low, I think, for me. Yeah, I mean, once I realized that um, it was one long reference with little punctuated by little mini references, and also uh, the show seems to fucking hate women, uh, like be kind of mad they exist, and then if they're going to exist, mad that we don't have access over their bodies or to get to decide what they do. Like it is the the two main characters so far were two teenage boys, and it seems like they wrote the show. So I have no <laughs> interest in continuing. Uh, we do have to talk about one part, though, real quick. I'll make this all of our moments of the week, unless you guys have <laughs> others. Um, he falls in the pool, and he's electrocuted, and we all saw that coming. But I have to imagine that what we didn't see coming was not only did they die, every kid in the pool died, but also a couple of kids running out into the street and making a semi-truck crash into a church that the church imploded onto the preacher. Like, this... This ripple effect goes far and wide when this kid falls in the pool. And it's getting more and more destructive. And then the very last thing that happens is just a bunch of pig carcasses get dropped <laughs> yes, in the water. Yes. For, so what, like, stinky? For stinky factor. Yeah. Like, oh, on top of everything else, there's pigs here. I, that's even worse, I guess. Uh, if that's not enough to get you to watch more, then this show is not for you. Super Crooks is on Netflix. We're going to cover it week to week from here on out, but... I'll be surprised if Cassie or Mike watch it. Guys, I have... Coming up next is part two of my interview with Will Hines. Do you know who that is? I have heard the name, but I am not totally sure who that is. He is a uh, podcaster in his own right, and he has his own podcast, which sort of he sort of copied us on that thing. But, okay, um, wow. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Weird. Um, but also, he is a Comedy Bang Bang regular, and I uh, did not do the normal thing of asking him about like shows he likes in this part too. Uh-huh. He has this character named Stanley Chamberlain and that's uh, from Comedy Bang Bang and that's what we drill in on on this episode. If you have heard that episode or heard the legend of Stanley Chamberlain, do not fast forward past this interview uh, just to listen to the commercials that we're going to do at the end. Actually listen to it. So we're going to take a break and then Will Hines and then we'll be back. Um, this is typically where we do something of a speed round where I grill you about a lot of questions, but I'm actually going to skip that because I've got you today. Um, we okay. are very close to the two year anniversary of something. Uh, your manager told me that if I bring this up, that you would get upset, usually throw things mm-hmm. at the interviewer. Um, That's right. But I had, sounds like me. I had to take this opportunity to talk about Stanley Chamberlain. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're a comedy bang bang fan. Yes, I am. Uh, and they need more promotion. Our shows, my my podcast, your podcast, those are doing well. But comedy bang bang, we have to you know really support the underdogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, just to explain to everybody, uh, Stanley Chamberlain came on uh, comedy bang bang, and he was a uh, he was just like studying physical therapy, right? He's a physical therapist. Yeah. What else did you know about Stanley Chamberlain before you walked into that building? Nothing. I, well, I mean, like I, I was planning on doing a physical therapist whose only treatment was giving people hugs. That's what I thought I was going to do. Um, I was like, OK, I think that's enough, because usually comedy bang bang. So for people listening, it's a podcast where it's improvised talk show and comedians do characters. And I'm I'm one of the people who does comedy bang bang on a semi-regular basis. And so like, yeah, I was going to do a physical therapist who only offered hugs. 
I was like, either that'll be creepy or that'll be sort of naive or something about that'll be funny. That, that's really all I had. Um, but I never even, I never got to the hugs. <laughs> which, is, which is part of the bit is that you have to come back and finish explaining Stanley Chamberlain. But uh, where it went was that you were this satanic serial killer, basically. <laughs> um, that I went to a medical school that had satanic initiation pagan rituals that you had to go through to start medical training. So when this is happening to you or a comedy bang, bang character actor, uh, is this thrilling? Is this scary? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um, no, it's really fun. I mean um, th- this particular thing started because John Gabris was another guest and I was like, Oh, I'm a physical therapist. And I somehow they were like, where'd you go to medical school? Um, and I just, you know, I was like, Oh, uh, John's, I think I, I said, I, I've, I just went to Southern Connecticut State University. I'm from Connecticut. So I throw a lot of Connecticut references in because I know I'll be able to expand on it if they, they dig. Um, and I said, oh, that was the second time I went. Before I went to Johns Hopkins, but I didn't have a good experience. That was totally made up. Sometimes I'll just like throw in a little random thing. And Gabrus is like, what didn't you like about Johns Hopkins? I was like, well, they had a weird um, initiation or something. But I meant to say orientation because, you you know, when you start college, you get an orientation. But I said initiation. I didn't even notice I said it. Gabrus laughs and goes initiation, Uh, you know, pointing out that it sounds like it was a ritual or something. So I just kind of was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a ritual. Here's my basic theory on going on Comedy Bang Bang. And I do this in most of my appearances. I just try to say yes to every single question asked of me like literally any question asked of me i go yeah that's true and then i make up whatever i have to make up to defend it and then i just follow that so, so I, I i generally am batted around like a ping pong ball yeah. as i try to like just deal with everybody's questions and that one they were just particularly aggressive about leading me off course um but you know i like sandman and and sandman comics and um Swamp Thing comics, and they have a lot of weird witchy stuff. So I just started pulling very randomly things I remembered from Swamp Thing and Sandman comics. And like, you know, because it's uh, the format where we can't hear the audience, it's not like a live show. All we really have to go off of is the other people in the room. And (laughs) Ackerman and Gabris were both competing to like screw you up or like to build your character, but also (laughs) crying laughing knowing that you were just on the edge of your seat trying to make all this up. I think like, I mean, do you know what it was extremely, it was extremely fun. I, it was like, um, I, you know, I've done that show a lot and it's real. I feel like my own appearances are very hit or miss. Sometimes, sometimes they really kind of click and they're really fun. And sometimes, sometimes they're kind of, they're kind of duds. And you, and I remember that one pretty early being like, Oh, this is pretty fun, but they, they do a thing where they do try to screw you up, but they also are, they're also trying to like make the story fun. Like right. they're, they're, they're sort of pitching things that they, they think would be funny. Um, it, it's, it's way more playful than it is mischievous. I think like, it's not like malicious, you know what I mean? It's like, I think like, if I say something like, I think I said, Billy Joel and Ackerman's like, wait, the guy was singing Billy Joel. And by Scott asking that I'm like okay that has to be true yes yes it's true and then I think what would be a funny song for a guy in a satanic ritual to sing and I'm like uh scenes from an Italian restaurant he he went through the whole thing or something um you're just trying to pick funny 
think say yes and explain is my strategy on bang bang which yeah i mean just not every episode of the show can be an a plus plus it's just the nature of how the show works but it's that's what keeps it so exciting is that you really never know what crazy shit is going to happen on the show uh yeah it's really fun i my first appearance on that show i came in with a very fleshed out character where i had a complicated backstory and i really tried to get it in there and it did not feel good. And after that, I asked Gabrus because I knew that he was a successful performer on Bang Bang. This is like back in 2014. I was like, Gabrus, how do you do comedy Bang Bang? And he's like, he's like, do a voice and just improvise. And basically like, don't plan that much. Right. Just pick something, a pick a world you can improvise in. So then I just started picking professions where I knew enough that I could like improvise, you know, like I think I did a guy who likes seventies classic rock because I like seventies classic rock. I, you know, I would physical therapy. I think I had, I'd been reading about something. I was going to physical therapy. Yes. That's why I picked that. I was going just in my life. So I was like, I'll know enough about like what I'm, what I'm doing in real life that I can throw that in there, but none of it mattered because we just talked about pagan rituals and going beneath Johns Hopkins and murdering people with machetes. Uh, that is all everything that he just said is true. All right. When, if you're last question, if you're going to like, let's say you're on this week and you're going to do Morpheus, do you go back and listen to all your segments or are you like, no, screw it. Let's just talk about Morpheus. Screw it. We'll just, yes, yeah, it's, it's screw. We'll just talk about Morpheus. I don't, I mean, hardcore fans are up on the continuity, but the majority of listeners are not because it's right. just, there's so much. Co- so I only need to be as up on it as the audience is. Um, re- really, the, the, the challenge for me is how much do I pre-plan? Because w- what if the random stuff happening in the interview isn't that good or it's not clicking for whatever reason? Um, then I need to rely on something I brought. So, um, And you could just, you could feel the the delight in Gabrus and Ackerman's eyes every time you said yes to something like that was, that was a crazy episode. I loved it. But to me, you know, to, I, I'm really, I think I, I, I've had a lot of people say how much they liked that episode, which I love. It's really thrilling, but I will tell you that the experience of doing it was not radically different than almost every bang bang episode I do. It wasn't until like I started seeing people online mention this episode that I thought it was anything different than another one. Is that, they, they all feel like that to me that, um, in, a, you, in a good way. Do you think that's because you sort of like go into a semi-fugue state once you hit character and they, like they yes, all sort of yeah. feel similar? Yeah, it's, it's like I'm I'm doing, you know, it takes all my energy just to be able to come up with answers to the question. So I'm weirdly so in it that I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've done. One episode I did, I was the guy who says, now it's time for a breakdown in an old and Vogue song sure. called Never Gonna Get It. But that's all I had was that I was the guy who did that. I had no other backstory. And for some reason in that interview, it became that this guy was an actuary at a Hartford insurance company. And I had to try to think of a lot of actuary specifics and insurance specifics. It was very mathy. <laughs> it was like mentally like hard, you know? And so- that felt very similar to Larry to Stanley Chamberlain going beneath Johns Hopkins, but it didn't hit as much. Um, you never, I, I sort of, I sort of take that pressure off myself of worrying about how good it is and just try to get some good at bats. Just try to say yes in a fun way. 
has the guy has the guy who originally said now it's time for breakdown reached out and thanked you for telling the no story? i wish i wish that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> i bet you i wonder who that was i wonder if that was just a sample from an old record or if somebody actually did that voice i i mean if do, he do you know the song i'm talking about never gonna I, get it oh yeah very much i love it it's a great song and that's the best part of the song right after that too is all four oh of yeah it's the breakdown oh yeah breakdown. yeah it's it's awesome I just sometimes I get so confused in songs because the breakdown happens and I wasn't ready. And I'm, that guy is there to like set you up. <laughs> you need up. somebody to tell you, get ready. Now it's time. Well, but um, is- yeah, I, I, I really love doing bang, bang. It's really fun. I've definitely had episodes where none of it works. And I walk out and I'm like, oh, man, I hope I can come back. <laughs> but uh, I think there's been enough good episodes that I'm solidly in that rotation, which, I, which I'm really grateful for. I love doing it. Yeah, it feels like that. You know, every I expect to hear you every month or so now at this point. I mean, Ackerman, Ackerman is so fast, like, and he does seem to remember most things about most episodes. Like, I'm mm. really impressed at his recall. Well, um, he'll remember stuff about Morpheus that I won't. Um, so I kind of rely on him just being a weird savant about his own show. He's a he's a little bit Mary Lou Henner in a couple of aspects. Like uh, anytime anybody brings up a movie, he can tell you what theater he saw it at and with what person. So, yeah, he's a little crazy like that. He's a little crazy like that. Yeah, I think I think he he likes me because I do just say yes to anything. So he can he can let loose when I'm on there. And I I, I love it. Well, I think there's also those guests that he has to drag shit out of their mouth. You know, like he'll ask a question. And it's one word answers and he's like pulling teeth and you never have like, that's nothing that you, or that you don't ever offer him that opportunity, you know? No, <laughs> no, I won't let, I won't let that happen. I've definitely got myself into corners though, where I'm like, wait, what did I just say? Wait, that contradicts something I said three questions ago. I got to figure that out. <laughs> uh, well, this has been awesome. I want to thank you so much. Uh, one more time. It's uh, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics right now. You guys are, uh, Jean Grey just died. Basically, this is where we're at. Yeah, we just we just covered the death of Phoenix. So now Kitty Pry gets introduced in the next batch. So that's what we're going to move on to. And where would you say, with all of your Marvel reading, Death of Phoenix or the uh, the Dark Phoenix saga sort of ranks? I mean, top five, like absolute first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the all time great superheroes. I put it right up there with the Galactus trilogy, with Master Planner saga of Spider Man. Um, you know, with Daredevil, uh, with Miller's run on Daredevil, Born Again, it's it's it is crucial, foundational, world changing. Is there uh, a big- and exciting and a great great story to read? I mean, it is like it's massive. I I can't overstate it. You need I, Stan Lee like hyperbole to properly describe its importance. I listened to your most recent episode, and you guys said that each issue was nineteen pages, and all of that yeah. happens in nineteen pages per issue. Yes, it is so nuts. Uh, they did an extra long one for the actual death, but um, yes, they cram so much in there, but they're, they're so good with the writing and the art that it does flow well. They have a really good sense over how to make it work in that real estate. They're, they're, it doesn't feel crammed. It feels really, it flows well. Is there a big one like uh, Simonson's Thor that you aren't familiar with that you hope you and your brother tackle soon? I just read Simon's Sword three years ago. So that was one, but I now have read that. Um, yes, I, I'm sure there's tons. I mean, you know, if, if we go back into the 60s and 70s, there's a lot of stuff that we haven't read that we'd like to like to read. 
like Sternenko stuff on shield, the stuff that yeah. was like really influential. I've never read that. Um, there's, uh, I've, there's a lot of Kirby stuff. I haven't read that just because it's Kirby would be interesting. I've never read his internals, you know, and that movie's coming out. I wonder what those comics were like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's massive run and the, the nineties, I was in my twenties and I kind of dropped out of comics. So I missed a lot of nineties stuff. My brother read a lot of it, but I, I missed it. Right. So anything good in the nineties, the whole like birth of image spawn Jim Lee and its consequences. I'm not so, I'm not so knowledgeable on. Perfect. Well, if you do, if you guys do want to hear more about these Marvel comics from two brother comedians, uh, mm-hmm. subscribe rate and review to screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Will, thank you so much for doing this today. Hey, my pleasure. Ah, huh? What did you guys think? That was, what a story. I mean, it just kept developing and there were new wrinkles and I was just like, surely so it will end here. Yeah, and then it would just continue. I, that's impressive. Yeah, I have to say, Ryan, you are a fantastic uh, uh, interrogator. I I didn't want it to seem like that, you know, but I did, you know. I wanted you know this, it to not seem like that, but I wanted it to seem like that. You do this really interesting thing, Ryan, where you'll get to the end of your sentence and you just kind of pitch your voice up. What? And that the other person will sort of answer that, and I just think that's so that's so interesting. Are you doing that on purpose? This sort of like questioning tone. I mean, it's not on purpose. It's I, I'm just I was a born interviewer, so now yeah. it's just like sort of reflex. But like, I don't every sentence though. Like today we have Will Hines, and then he feels like yes, yes you do that, yeah. that 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 is my name for sure. Uh, but thank you so much to Will Hines. Thank you so much to Greg and Taylor. Oh my God, guys! I do feel like we got a little overshadowed by. Like a legit celeb, but that's okay. That's fine. You also Don't, had us on the show today. Do not not call yourselves legit celebs. You guys are in the at least in the celebs of uh, celebs in the hearts of Cassie and Mike. I'm very big in the Greg space. Yes. The Greg heads have been have been chattering about that. Yeah, the Greg heads have been really growing in power recently. Yeah, and you know, I not everything they do is under my control, obviously. So. Uh, yeah, there's illegally little, there's, for legal purposes. For legal purposes, obviously. Yeah, they get they're very uh, enthusiastic. They're very impassioned, um, and I think sometimes that gets a little out of control. But you know that doesn't have anything to do with all <laughs> allegedly. Taylor, allegedly, allegedly. Taylor, as the head designer of Greg Space, the new social media website, are you worried that we have we might have another Zuck on our hands here? Oh no, I love Zuckerberg. I think this is. A, I think this. So you hope old, that we have another Zuck on our hands? Oh, I can't wait. I think we do, and I'm so excited for that. Greg, before we get out of here, can you tell us about websites other than Greg Space, the social media platform? There is yourpopfilter.com. That's a perfect place to go to if you have to post the show that you make for your pop filter. Uh, you go there, you build the page, uh, you and magically it just comes out to the then, internet. Yeah, and then magically the show <laughs> pops up on the old webs, uh, or you can. Is that it? Is that the only website, Ryan? Do you uh, no, have any websites, smart guy? Wow, thank you for turning the Sorry. tables. That yeah, was harsh. Uh, yourpotfilter.com <laughs> slash Amazon is your new Amazon bookmark. And patreon.com slash yourpotfilter is where you go to sign up to get more free stuff. You guys, I think you guys can be the first to tell all Patreon or non-Patreon listeners why they should sign up for Patreon because of who we talked to today. 
Oh, we talked to some incredible characters. I mean, Taylor so, and I just kind of sat there while you 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 worked the phones. Yeah, which is yeah. crazy. He would have two phones up to his ears. He'd be shouting. Yeah, he's got to a switchboard one. that like is, is old timey that he's like plugging things into and out of. He had two phones up to his ears, but then he was doing that thing where he was just talking on his cell phone on speakerphone. And you guys yeah. uh, did not talk for the entire no. segment and did not help me plug things into other things. All I have I, to do is pull out things and plug them into other random holes, and you guys would not help. My papa told me, never a talker nor listener be. Ah, uh, your fucking papa. If I hear one more thing about your fucking papa. <laughs> Taylor, what are other podcasts we should be listening to? Yeah, you guys should obviously be listening to Movie of the Year. It's the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie ever of all time every year. Taylor, uh, is Terminator 2 obviously going to take this year down, or does listen, two other movies have a chance? It's got, it's got, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to beat. It's sort of the favorite, if you will, not. Silence of the Lambs is also 91, Taylor. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, Silence of the Lambs is about the FBI and, and we don't like those people anymore. Those Zero f- Terminators in it. Well, unless you, unless you consider Hannibal Lecter a Terminator. He is guess, in some ways yeah. a Terminator, if you really <laughs> think about it. One of his most famous lines is, I am in some ways a Terminator. Uh, <laughs> Greg, social media. Social media, uh, Greg Space, obviously. Twitter, yeah, obviously Greg Space. All your Greg needs. Uh, it's like the Jeremy Renner app, but we've replaced Jeremy Renner's name with Greg's name, uh, and, but none of the pictures. So it's still all your favorite Renner picks. Um, but okay, so let's see. On Twitter.com, at your pop filter, Instagram, at your pop filter. That's it. it that's it. Those are the ones. You're getting the funnies, and you're getting the monies. And the honeys. And the honeys. All the pictures of our honeys. Next week, guys, it's such a big deal. The problem with next week's show is that Greg and Taylor will not be here. Yeah. And that's disgusting. But Mike and Cassie will return, and it's the season finale of Lock and Key. Greg and Taylor, thank you so much for being here. My name Thanks is Ryan. And keep watching those TV shows based on comic books.